This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Today is Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. On this day in 1996, the body of 23-year-old college senior Jody LaCornu was found in her car in Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of murder, we advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the mysterious killing of 23-year-old Joanne Jody LaCornu. She was found shot in her car in a shopping center parking lot. The lack of evidence as to who did it and why created a decades-long cold case. Let's go back to the early morning hours of Saturday, March 2nd, 1996 in Baltimore. The Mount Washington Tavern is a favorite spot for college students. Friday nights pulled a decent crowd. Towson University senior Jody LaCornu often dropped by the bar. It was a nice place to socialize with friends or vent about relationships. From what police later gathered, Jody and her boyfriend had an argument earlier that morning. Perhaps in light of the lingering tension between them, he wasn't with her at the tavern that night. When the bar closed, many of the younger patrons would move to a different location and keep hanging out. But when the tavern made the rounds for last call that night, Jody said her goodbyes. From here, the details are sparse, although we do know that before she left the tavern, Jody agreed to give one of the employees a ride home. Soon after dropping that employee off, Jody stopped at a nearby liquor store to buy beer. Afterwards, she drove a bit further before pulling her white Honda Civic into a shopping center parking lot. It's unclear if she was waiting for someone or if she stopped randomly. As she sat alone in her car, she was soon approached. From eyewitness accounts, police believed the stranger who appeared outside the Civic might have been coming to meet her for some type of exchange. A black man in an army jacket allegedly stood outside Jody's car. The two talked. No one knows what was said or how long they spoke, but at some point during this exchange, the man pulled out a gun. He shot at the car and a bullet pierced the window. It went into Jody's back and hit her spine. Somehow, despite the fatal gunshot wound, Jody managed to maneuver her car across the street to an adjacent parking lot. Eyewitnesses also later recounted that the suspect followed her to the second parking lot. The shooter then opened the door of Jody's Civic and retrieved an object from inside, probably her purse, before disappearing in his own white BMW sedan. 
One of the eyewitnesses dispatched police to the second parking lot, and soon Jody's body was found inside her car. Coming up, Jody's sister keeps the search for her twin's killer alive. You discover their practices, seek their advice, and let yourself become more vulnerable than ever before. They have the ability to heal what the doctors can't, or so they say. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from the podcast series Cults. Be sure to check out our four-part special on miracle healers airing right now. Meet figures from around the world who claimed powers and pushed remedies, but harbored more sinister intentions. You don't want to miss it. And if you're looking for more episodes on the most radical and deadly groups in history, tune in to Cults every Tuesday. From Jim Jones and the People's Temple, to Charles Manson and the Manson family, to Keith Raniere and Nexium, you'll uncover the unscrupulous methods used to turn bright-eyed recruits into die-hard believers. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Cults, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Now, back to the story. In the early hours of March 2, 1996, Towson University student Jody LaCornu was out with friends at a local tavern in Baltimore. The 23-year-old left when the bar closed and gave one of its staff a ride home. Just hours later, around 4 a.m., her car was found in the parking lot of a supermarket. Jody's body was slumped over in the driver's seat, a gunshot wound in her back. Police set about the immense task at hand, identifying Jody's killer. Despite eyewitnesses identifying a potential suspect, a black man in an army jacket, there was no further information on this lead. Though people were present nearby at the time of the shooting, they were simply too far from Jody's car to provide more helpful clues. Police initially thought that the incident was either a drug deal gone sour or a random attack. But there weren't any drugs in Jody's system at her time of death, and there was little to indicate she'd been seeking them out. Likewise, motivations for an attack, random or premeditated, were hard to substantiate. Though Jody's father, John, worked as an assistant state's attorney, often prosecuting violent crimes, police didn't believe this factored into Jody's murder. The investigation ground to a halt. John LaCornu and Jody's twin sister Jenny pleaded with investigators to forge on. Professionals from cold case organizations backed the LaCornu family, but months went by without any updates, then years. During this time, the Baltimore County Police Department remained insistent that they pursued every available option. According to one officer, the leads were simply exhausted. 
But John LeCornu wasn't ready to drop the investigation. He kept an archive of documents and newspapers on Jody's killing until his death in 2007. Sadly, he passed without any further news on what happened to his daughter. Knowing their father died without closure was painful for Jenny LeCornu. By 2016, she still felt more could be done. There had to be new technology or resources that could help solve her twin sister's murder. In 2018, Jenny sought out a relatively unconventional tactic to bring renewed attention to the case. After seeing the movie Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, she paid to post a billboard on the street where her sister was murdered. It was lettered in bold, red and white font and offered a $32,000 reward for information on the case. She later had two more billboards put up and raised the award to $100,000. While the ads were striking, the tips they drew were largely unhelpful. Baltimore County homicide detectives claimed they didn't receive any substantial new information from the billboards. Likewise, Jenny's interviews with news organizations and the Baltimore Sun temporarily brought public awareness back to the case, but did little to carve a path for justice. The lingering uncertainty of what Jody was doing that night is perhaps the most haunting part of the case. Jenny LeCornu remained certain that Jody hadn't purposely intended to meet a stranger so late. Her sister was too cautious for that. Jenny has acknowledged the difficulty in moving forward without closure. She remarked that the decades of waiting has been like going through the motions and has hindered her ability to cope with her sister's death. As of this recording, 25 years have passed since Jody LeCornu's killing, with no suspect identified. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Mackenzie Moore, with writing assistance by Aaron Lan, and fact-checking by Adriana Romero. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 